Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. We all have heard the word alchemy, and we know about alchemists, and they would change lead into gold. Now, the big search above the ancient alchemists was to find the agent that they could throw on the lead and make it turn into gold, because they needed the medium that could accomplish that. Well, Sufism is about changing ordinary man into perfected man, about changing the way we are into what Sufism calls insan kamal, perfected man. Um, Many of us have had the opportunity in our lifetime to meet a perfected man. And when there is that meeting with perfected man, you can see the difference. You can see how uh, the qualities are extraordinary, how the love is beyond imagination, and how the general being is different than what you see in what we call normative society. Well, so the question, which becomes really self-evident, is what is the agent that turns man into perfected man? What makes that transformation occur? What's the alchemy that does that? And the sheikhs and the teachers and the gurus tell us that it's wisdom. Somehow, we need to encounter wisdom, and with that encounter, things will change. Well, what is wisdom? And how do we encounter it? Well, one of the ways that you encounter it is through a sheikh, through somebody who already has it. So they become a painting of wisdom, a manifestation of wisdom, a live, wise being that somehow has been put in your path so you can see what it looks like. The usual analogy is a mirror. They become a mirror so that you can see what you actually have inside of you. Well, the interesting thing about mirrors is that they show you what you are. Ah, think about that. So if a sheikh, if a wise sheikh is a mirror for you, He's showing you what you have. Take that a step further. It's already inside of you. We just need to bring it alive. We need to somehow make it happen. We need to somehow take what has been given to us that has been subdued and suppressed and run over by illusion and bring it back to its full fold. Bring it back 
to what it's capable of being. So, we need to be able to make the effort to lift ourselves up so that we can find the wisdom within us and then have it work on us. But you see, a lot of things have to fall in place for you to be able to do that. First, you have to be willing to do that. And that doesn't seem like it's such a difficult thing. But it's the most difficult thing. Because to be able to be willing to meet wisdom head on and to incorporate wisdom, you also have to be willing to give up all of the things that have suppressed wisdom in you all of these years. All of the things that have kept wisdom from coming to the forefront. So, when you meet this wise man, when you meet this mirror, and when you see what you can be, something has to happen inside where all of a sudden you want to be what you can be. And you want to be it more than you want not to be it. You want to be it more than you love the world. You want to be it more than you love the illusory nature of existence. You want to be it more than all of the gratifications that you get from the world. And we get lots of different kinds of gratifications from the world. And depending to whom you speak, they will tell you about what it is that gratifies them in the world. The three major uh, gratifications are wealth, women or men, and power. People enjoy these things. People spend their life chasing these things. And they believe that these things will give them satisfaction. So somebody in the midst of chasing money, uh, if you tell him you'd really be much better off sitting still and thinking about God, they're not going to spend a lot of time with you. Somebody in the midst of lust, chasing whatever it is they're chasing, and by the way, lust doesn't apply just to sexual relationships. It applies to everything. We can have lust for money, we can have lust for fame, we can have lust for power. Well, somebody in the middle of that kind of lust, and imagine that that lust in people is very similar to an elephant chasing uh, a mate. It's that kind of of out-of-control lust which people have. And if you tell them, well, you'd really be much better off sitting still and understanding the qualities of God... They're not going to listen. But what will happen is if somehow they are able to spend some time with someone who's at peace, if they're able to spend some time with someone who has thrown off the shackles and the burdens and the weight of all these lusts, because, boy, they keep you busy. 
and they keep you tired, and they keep you straining, and they keep you involved. If they're able to meet somebody who's thrown them off, who doesn't seem to have all the anxiety and all the difficulty that these lusts bring, for a second the thought may come to them, wow, their life seems easier than mine, and I have so much more. What is really going on here? Well, what's going on is that one cannot be involved simultaneously in many different worlds. We, each of us, have to choose the world's that we're involved in. We each of us have to choose the path that we want to take. And we have to do it with sincerity and with real effort. Um, There's a story I told to a few people last week that I'm going to repeat, which is essentially about sincerity. There was a great sheikh who was known for his generosity. And he gave to everybody who came into his view who needed. And people would give him money, and he would give it away. And whatever was in his left hand went out of his right hand, and whatever came into his right hand immediately went out. But he couldn't maintain all of this giving. Uh, from just the donations that he got. So he went to borrow money from wealthy people in the community. And because of who he was, the wealthy people gave him money because he told them he would pay them back and they knew his word was his word because he was of such a high elevation. Well, he had borrowed (coughs) thousands and thousands and thousands of dinars. And... The time came when he owed all of this money and he was on his deathbed. And the word got around that he was dying. And all of the people he owed money to showed up and sat around him. So you had a room full of creditors sitting around the sheikh, none of them saying a word because they were afraid to say anything, but their intent was evident. And their innards were shouting, where's my money? Even though no words were coming out of their mouths. So the sheikh welcomes all of his guests, and he says to one of his assistants, he says, there's a boy outside who's selling halva." go buy all the halva that he has and give it to our guests. So uh, the man goes outside and makes a deal with the little boy selling the halva to buy all of his halva for half of the dollar. <coughs> and then he brings it into the place with the little boy following him because he hadn't been paid yet. And... Uh, The halva is distributed to all the guests, and the little boy goes, where's my money? And uh, the assistant of the sheikh explains, we have no money. We haven't had money for a while now. And the little boy goes, what? 
you have no money? You took my halva and you have no money? Don't you understand that I work for somebody else? I'm a child and they will beat me? He might even kill me for not coming back with my money? And the boy began to scream. And he began to wail. And he began to cry. And this went on for a half hour. And all of these rich men sitting around the sheikh just sat there thinking, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? And then a uh, man comes in through the door, and he's carrying a tray with a lid on it. And he puts it down in front of the sheikh, and he said, uh, I am the servant of so-and-so, and he has directed that I come and give this to you. And he pulled off the top of the tray. And on one side of the tray was a pile of dinars, exactly enough to pay all of the people that money were owed to. And on the other half of the tray was a half a dinar for the little boy, all set up. And the sheikh said, it took tears to move the heavens. There weren't going to be any tears from this group sitting around me. So I had to do what we did with the little boy in order to bring tears about. I needed some real sincerity. The money meant something to him. It really did. It didn't mean anything to you. And then they all began to apologize. And they said, we are like blind men waving our sticks and breaking all the lights. Well, you're worse than that. But he didn't say that. He said, I borrowed the money. I promised to pay you back. And Allah, in his mercy, saw to it that you were paid back. But it was the sincerity of that little boy that brought it, that brought the payment about. Can we conjure up that kind of sincerity? Do we want wisdom that way, that we wail over it, that we cry over it, that we beg over it, that we insist that our life depends on it? Where do we gather that kind of a sincerity? Where do we gather that kind of real feelings towards wanting a connection with wisdom? Gift, tears, are a gift. And tears move the heavens. So when we cry, when we really want something, and it tears at us. Don't think that it's a punishment. Think of it as a way that we are opened up to the reality of existence. We are not capable of doing things on our own in this existence. Our breath is not provided by us. It's provided by Allah. Our sustenance is not provided by us. When he made this world, he created sustenance for all its creatures. We need to know that. So when we truly want something, even a relationship with Allah, only Allah can open the door to that relationship. So, We have to create a communication 
with Allah that is sincere and is real. And in creating that sincere effort, then wisdom begins to open up within us. Because what is wisdom? We're told that we were created in Allah's image. And Allah has no image because he has no form. But what does Allah have? He has Rahman and Rahim and Latif and Shakur. He has qualities. He has qualities that are elevated and are sublime and are based in love. And if we can actually enter into those qualities, which he has allowed us to do, because that's his great gift to us, is he is mercy, and he's allowed us to be merciful. He is compassion, and he has allowed us to be compassionate. He is gratitude, and he's allowed us to be grateful. So wisdom is imbibing and becoming those qualities. And when you're with a great sheikh, an advanced being, he is also those qualities. And when you see those qualities being exemplified, manifested in human form, you also realize that they're inside of you. And all you need to do is put the agent of that kind of need into play so that they come into your being and then wisdom begins to take control was what does wisdom do it knows the right thing to do it knows what's appropriate for the appropriate moment well what knows what's appropriate rahman and rahim know what's appropriate. So if you are Rahman and Rahim, you will do what's appropriate. If mercy and compassion are your way, you will do what's appropriate automatically. Because Rahman and Rahim do what's right automatically. Because they are what's right. Allah is what's right. And if we take on the qualities of Allah, then we become what is right. And if we are what is right, we will do what is right. And that's what a perfected being is. He becomes God-like because he embodies the qualities of God and does what the qualities of God do. He becomes God's hand on earth. He walks love around as opposed to walking arrogance around, as opposed to walking resentment around. He walks love around. So we have to be the ones that when we get up, love gets up. When we sit down, love sits down. When we turn to the right, mercy turns to the right. When we turn to the left, mercy turns to the left. This is what wisdom does. It transforms us into being wise. 
And what is being wise? Having the qualities of God and acting with the qualities of God. So we have to acquire knowledge and then we have to act on the knowledge and do what is necessary so that we become exemplars of that knowledge. Now, I sat, and many of the people here sat, with a wise man, a holy man, a man who exemplified God's qualities and God's way. And the only way that we can become wise is to exemplify God's qualities and God's way in our actions and in our inner dialogue. In other words, that which becomes the most important thing to us is what goes on in your inner dialogue. The most important thing to the little boy was that half a dinar. And his entire inner dialogue became that half a dinar to the point where tears poured from him about that half of dinar. Can tears pour from us to help bring about a relationship with Allah? Do we want a relationship badly enough that it becomes the forefront of our consciousness, that it becomes the most important thing that we think about. And do we understand that thinking about it is not enough? Being it is as important as thinking about it. Being it is as important as the inner dialogue. So we need an inner dialogue and an outer dialogue. The inner dialogue focuses on the intention to set up the qualities of Allah within ourselves. And this is done through prayer, through zikr, through personal meditations, like, God, help me! Like the little boy was screaming, God, or somebody, give me half a dinar. God, help me! understand these qualities. I can't do this without you. Spontaneous prayer is what meditation is. Spontaneous begging is what meditation is. It is sitting still, understanding our limits, and asking Allah to take us beyond our limits. Because the only way we're going to be taken beyond our limits is through His intercession. Allah intercede in my life to bring me to you. Or, Yarahman, 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 Yarahman. Or, Kulhu Allahu Ahad, Allahu Samad, Lam Yalid, Walam Yulid, Walam Yakulahu Kufuan Ahad. All of these ways, there is a smorgasbord of methodologies to become involved with Allah. We have to take and pile our plate high and get involved in all of them. And in that way, that connection that we want can occur. And we have to have the patience to allow it to happen. Just as it takes years 
for an oak to grow or for a child to grow, it's going to take a little while for our wisdom to grow and for our wisdom to take us on the correct and appropriate path. But it's been promised to us. And Allah does not make promises that he doesn't keep. And the sheikhs have promises to us. And the sheikhs don't make promises that aren't kept. And the prophets have promised it to us. And the prophets don't make promises that aren't kept. So we have lots of individuals, lots of prophets, katubs, and Allah all wanting us to go on this path and becoming insan kamal. Now, we have to also want it. We have to become in line with all of those who want it for us. And as we come in line with those who want it for us, then there's this huge, unstoppable force that will take us towards Allah. But we have to become part of the process. We have to be like the little boy who wanted his dinar, but we have to want Allah. And then we were brought closer and closer to him, and all the burdens of this world will fall away and become easy. The reward that Allah has to offer you is himself. And there's no reward in the world that is equal to what Allah has to offer. May that reward be put on a plate and brought to each of us and then the top taken off and it will be announced, this is for you. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi Lalameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.